This is Gerald Tostawork. I'm a licensed real estate agent in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and you're listening to The Real World of Real Estate. Today we are at the Southside Paint Store in Edmonton with Keith Pomparelli, proprietor, and you're a Benjamin Moore authorized dealership, right? So why don't you tell the folks a bit about yourself? All right, so my name is Keith. I originally started uh, contracting QT Painting about six years ago and then recently took over Southside Paint Store and here we are now. Cool. And and so can you tell us a bit about the store? This is some, a franchise you just started with, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so we took over uh, September 1st, 2022, so just a few months ago. Um, we changed the name. We're in the same location. It's been here for 10 years, but now with the new ownership, we've been here for since September, so three months basically at this point. Okay. And so what else? What other, what other products do you have? Anything else? Uh, so right now we're set up for a lot of DIY, like a, like homeowners to, if they got to paint the house, so we sell like various products from primers and entry-level paint, mid-grade, good, and the very best stuff. We also sell um, like sundries, brushes, rollers, drop sheets, everything basically to be able to paint your house. Okay. And you mentioned uh, Q&C painting. You also have a painting contractor, is that correct? Uh, yeah, so we've got a small company. It's got four people and myself. We do commercial, residential, uh, new constructions, and repaints uh, with a primary focus towards like residential repaints and commercial repaints. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's dig into today's topic. Today's topic is all about paint. And so I thought, what better place to start than, can you tell us about the different kinds of paints, the different sheens, uh, where you would use them? Uh, yeah, okay, perfect. So uh, basically, you're going to start with, uh, if it's a new construction, you got to prime everything. you got to seal the drywall so everything gets a bit of primer. Um, after that, typically, eggshell is going to land on the walls. This is just your standard finish. It's pretty wipeable, user-friendly. Um, it's good for life with kids or grandkids, so on and so forth. Uh, okay, and so after eggshells, you put um, semi-gloss on the trim. So that's like your doors, your door frames, window casings, baseboards. Um, it's a shinier and it's a little bit harder. So for instance, it'll take a little bit of damage if like you're rubbing a vacuum against a baseboard or twist the door handles, whatever. It's a, it's a good hard finish and it's very wipeable. Also, um, people sometimes put the um, semi-gloss in bathrooms for the wipeable like reason and also in kitchens. And then so after, after the trim, we got a flat finish paint flat finish paint we typically put on ceilings. It's like flat flat paint in general, um, hides imperfections be it on the ceiling or walls. Um, I would stick, I would stay away from, I would stay away from the uh, flat finish paint, flat finish paints on walls, unless it was a feature wall, maybe behind a couch or somewhere it's not gonna get touched because flat paint's very hard to wipe. Oh, interesting, okay. All right, is that all the sheens? Did we get them all covered? Um, there's a there's a couple other steps. So there's a from eggshell you can go up to the next one would be like a satin and then a pearl as well. And these are just that's like client preference. Those are more for looks. Satin and pearl are kind of an appearance thing. Is that yeah. what they are? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know one thing I forgot to mention before we started. You were you were telling me we were talking about the quality of Benjamin Moore paints, and you had mentioned they're using them in this this uh, these what would you call them? Historical? Historical housing on the coast. Yeah. I guess so they withstand the sea spray and the, 
and the uh, the ocean atmosphere, I guess. Yeah, and also the intense sun. Like you look at if you're in Gonzales Bay or, or like areas like that, the houses are all like beautiful. They're all like uh, beach vibey historical colors. And I noticed that a lot of the uh, paint that was used out there for the exterior painting was uh, Benjamin Moore, and it keeps like the colors more vibrant, um, more saturated without getting faded. Oh, and that's specific to Ben Moore itself. Oh, interesting. Okay, well there you go. All right, so now let's um, let's move to this. Probably won't be a long question, but how do you determine how much paint you need for a paint job? Okay, so for the like a quick rule of thumb could be a basic bedroom is going to take a gallon, and that would give you about two coats. There'd probably be a little bit left over for touch-ups. And how, then for how much area? Uh, for like, your typical size bedroom. But then what the actual numbers break down to is like 400 wall square feet will be about a gallon. 400 wall square feet is one coat or two coat of paint? Uh, it'll be two coats. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There's a good little rule of thumb. And you mentioned before we started recording that you don't need primer if you're, if you're painting over top of uh, an older paint. You just need it for a fresh wall. Yeah, so primer in general is like you're you're trying to seal the wall if you're using primer. In other cases, if you're taking like from like a deep, dark red, um, you probably want to throw a primer on it because you're going to cut down the amount of coats, uh, top coats of wall paint you actually got to put on it. That's a good, you know what, that brings me up to my next question I was going to ask you when you're when you're covering a dark wall. So let's say you're, you're covering a dark wall with a lighter colored paint. How would you go about doing it? You wanted to paint a wall white, but right now it's a dark wall. Yeah. So you want to cover a dark wall. So what's the best way to go about it if you minimize your paint usage yeah. or, or just get the result you want? So right now, in general, as a as a contractor, I see that there's a lot of um, a lot of homeowners are taking their their like mid later 2000 houses, darker kind of deeper colors, and they're painting them white. And so, in a case where I'm painting the whole house, or if anybody's painting the whole house, I would um, you can either get like a stain blocking primer, any type of multi-purpose primer is really going to work just to help take down that, um, that initial like punch of the color, and from there like. From there, depending on how much paint you're going to use, I would maybe even go as far as like a coat of primer and a coat of flat paint in the color that I'm going to paint in, and then do the top coat with the eggshell finish for the walls. And this is also, I'm assuming it's probably going to be three or four coats. That is just the reality of it. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, that would make sense. If you're coming over dark paint with white paint, you're you're not going to get away with one coat, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and also okay. the the whole flat the whole flat paint. It, you don't necessarily have to do it. You could just do a coat of primer, three coats of eggshell. That's fine as well. Okay. Now, just a question popped into my head here that I don't have on my list, but what are some of the popular colors right now? So here we are approaching Christmas 2022. What are, what are, the, what are the popular colors these days? Well, I, I know we recommend um, we recommend the – so whites 100% are popular, but whites there's like hundreds of them or high 50s of them. So Chantilly Lace is a very popular color. Dove White is a popular color. Yeah, these two are um, very popular for the whites. Uh, um, cool. What's the most most color most popular color for, say, feature walls or features in general? Yeah, so... Colors. Yeah, that's a tough one because it's, it's such a, like a broad stroke and it really depends on, like, preference. But I could see, like, a, like a house... Um, that's basically going to be like a really light tone, whether it's like a light cream, a, just a white, whatever, they're probably going to put in like um, like a dark feature wall. 
but a specific color that's like wide open. Wide open. Okay. All right. And after we do this uh, audio, we're gonna we're gonna make a short video. You're gonna show us tricks on cutting and that, yeah. right? So folks, make sure to check out my YouTube page, Real World of Real Estate, for that. But before we get to that, why don't you talk about some of the best brushes to use for cutting? Yeah, so we'll go over this in the uh, the actual tutorial of the cutting. But okay. um, one of the best things to look for is like you, just, you need an angular brush. That is what it comes down to. You want to get an angular brush. And you'll see it at the dollar store. They've got like the flat edged brushes. Those just don't work that well. And then from there, so you need an angular brush. And from there, it's like personal preference. I'll show you when we do the tutorial. Um, there's there's a few different ways that you can manipulate the brush to help you like actually be able to do a deliberate um, placement with the paint. Yeah, folks, you definitely got to go and check out the videos because before before Keith and I even before I even thought of interviewing Keith, I had I, I do a lot of my own painting at home. I enjoy it, and I've always struggled with corners, and I got every device under the sun <laughs> to do edging right. And I watched, I don't know how I stumbled upon this one video this fellow was cutting with a brush, doing quarters and edges with a brush. I threw away every junk, piece of junk I had for doing edging and corners, and I just used this cutting technique. And within 45 minutes of painting, I could do it reasonably well. And now my edges are better than ever. No techniques, no, 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 no gunky, what's the word, no tools or... or, or paint trips. Or what? Uh, paint trips. Hey, I'm not, what's the word? Gadgets. No gadgets. Oh, That's gotcha. the word I'm looking for. Right? And then it, just so it's a really, so folks, make sure you check out the video on, on my YouTube page because this is an amazing technique. All that you'll throw every gadget away you have in your toolbox and you'll just, well, you'll cut with a brush. So yeah, so that, definitely check that out. Okay, so let's swing a bit now from, uh, from paint and painting to talking about a bit about choosing a contractor. So, Tell us a bit about how to pick a contractor, and then we'll talk after that maybe about getting quotes. But yeah. how, how do you pick a? What do you look for when you're picking a paint contractor? I think I think a like a really good rule of thumb. If you don't have a network of people who can recommend you somebody, I think you could go into any one of the paint distributors, be it Sherwin Williams, Benjamin Moore, Cloverdale, Dulux, um, and they all carry cards, and you can talk to the staff and be like, hey, like who's the most popular coming out of this place? At the very least, there's one vetting section there. And then from there, I would say a quick rule of thumb would be try to get three quotes from three from three different people, and you got to follow your gut here. Like if somebody's 15 minutes late, unannounced, it's probably a bad sign, even if their price is good. Um, I think another thing is once you do kind of narrow it down, you've got an idea of okay, I like this guy. The price came in kind of around our budget. Just get one or two referrals to make sure they can back up what they're what they're saying they can provide. Yeah, pretty pretty standard kind of yeah. thing. Okay. All right, well, let's swing back. Let's swing back into painting. But before we swing back into painting, in the middle of my podcast, I like to ask my guests a little bit about themselves, a little something personal, something special you've done or a special place you've been or, or a special person you've met. So anything you can tell us interesting about yourself. And I've known you for a while, so I know what the answer better be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, I've, got an identical twin, I've got an identical twin brother. Um, so we both, and we were both like really into skateboarding. We ended up spending quite a bit of time in China skateboarding, as well as um, I also spent some time in Australia. So I, I did travel for quite a bit. And uh, another special thing. Competitively like, skateboarding? Uh, my brother did. He made uh, he made more of a competitive jump to it. I was just more like lifestyle skating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then. Um, 
Yeah, so actually, me, and, me, Gerald, and my brother Brian, we all have the same birthday. That's pretty special, I think. That is pretty cool. A couple years different, though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're all on the same day, yeah. November 13th, so all the listeners can send us all a gift on our birthdays. Yeah, next year, get, get after it. <laughs> okay, cool. So you guys went to China, Australia, you said? Yeah. Anywhere else? Um, so I also spent a lot of time in Vancouver between... And uh, I've, actually, everywhere I went, I spent some time in Thailand as well. I feel like uh, a lot of the traveling I could associate with, like some of my, uh, some of my success or my overall like personality, because I'm w- like willing to take risks. I traveled by myself. I did a lot of like sales and restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So I, f- I feel like it really helped me overall. Oh, like making ends meet while you were traveling. Is yeah. That- oh, cool. Yeah. And, and this is like you know early mid twenties. And, you know, most of my guests, we always, when they talk about themselves, we have something in common is travel or this or that or the other thing. We do something, but nah, I never been on a skateboard in my life. Yeah. And if I did, I'd probably kill myself. I think you'd do pretty good, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that might be my neck, my retirement career. <laughs> Watch out for your, your meniscus. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was going to mention that because I remember some years ago you mentioning it's hard on the knees yeah. skateboarding, right? Yeah, it's actually, I just recently had, um, uh, I had, another knee surgery on my right knee and so we did microfractures tried to rebuild the cartilage that isn't there because of all the abuse it took and uh, i'm seven months post-op and i'm finally feeling good wow yeah so all young guys take care of your knees yeah are there anything they can do like that they wear that they should they be wearing um supports or anything honestly one of the biggest takeaways i've had now being like 37 is there's so much you can do like uh, what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth 10 pounds of cure or something. Uh, just like overall staying in shape and like yeah. having like a workout routine and eating healthy. There you go. Yeah. All and right. if you have bad knees, you should check out um, this person on Instagram, ATG. It's like life changing. This guy's very, very good. ATG? Yeah, ATG. Ben yeah. Patrick is the name. Yeah. Oh, cool. And he talks about your knees and. and... Yeah, he's actually like, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but honestly, it's like it would be a good thing because I'm sure there's people of any ages list like listen to but um yeah so this atg this this person is like help people get away from getting knee replacements just gives you like a good base knowledge of like um what exercises to do just to regain some function yeah oh yeah you're perfectly fine saying that we don't endorse anybody but yeah you know you're fine there so if anybody wants to check it out they can yeah cool well thanks okay well let's swing back into painting again and can you walk us through the process the procedures of, of painting a wall uh, yeah so first thing we'll do is we're going to strip the plates that would be like the homeowner's first task or the contractor's first task and then from switch, there switch plates and or yeah take off the switch like take off the switch plates then you want to uh get your spackle and your blade patch the holes in the wall um specifically those drywall inserts i found that um you can i can always see where somebody's tried to patch like a drywall insert and, and if you're not going to take the drywall insert out which is fine you don't have to just take the back of your blade and hammer it into the wall just like an eighth of an inch and then yeah. spackle over it so it's nice and, um, nice and smooth. Um, while the spackle is drying, um, the next step, you could either start like cutting or edging as you would call it. You start cutting in the tops, the sides, the bottoms. Um, but uh, so after the spackle is dry, give everything a sand, not just the patches. Do a quick like box out everything. So like sand out the tops, the sides, and then all the way in between and what the sanding does between coats is it gives you a nice smooth finish especially on walls that have been painted like you know 13 times over like the last 40 years 
Okay, so it takes out the irregularities in the walls. Yeah. And it probably gives the paint a lot more surface area to stick to, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. Now, do, should you, when you're painting an old wall, should you wash it? We used to wash with trisodium phosphate. Yeah, TSP. Yeah, yeah. is that still a recommended thing? So I've, in my personal experience, I don't uh, wash walls with TSP. I've had, had clients who will wash their walls with TSP. Now, like if this house is like, tremendously smoked in it might be worth it to watch some wash it with tsp but we've done some restoration things where there's fire damage you're not TSPing anything you're just basically spraying out the primer and so even for the smoke damage there is products you can get like kills specifically you get at home like home depot and it's um smoke damage i believe it's it's like kills and it's um high hide smoke damage yeah so oh. anyways when it comes down to it i don't think i think tsp is a Oh, okay. So they're finding it's generally generally not not needed, not required. Yeah, especially in, in 99% of the houses. In some extreme situations, sure, I think TSP is good. Even a kitchen where you've been cooking in for years and years? Yeah, that would be a good uh, like that would be a good point. Like oh. especially like above the above the cabinets where the like above where the balance would be. Oh yeah. Yeah, that gets pretty greasy. So whether you're gonna TSP it or not, it needs to be wiped down for sure. Or it's like trying to paint over oil, you know, it doesn't work. I remember the first time I was we were painting cabinets and I went and I went to the top of the cabinet and oh my gosh yeah. the grease yeah. the grease yeah so you definitely want to you want to clean those on a fairly regular basis mm -hmm. we painted our kitchen and I, I washed them all and yeah it's it's surprising how much it collects up on top of the cabinets really yeah. interesting so okay actually speaking of cabinets um, one thing I feel like would be well I think we should talk about this absolutely yeah. Yeah, so with cabinet paint, I see a lot of the time now people are painting cabinets, and that's fantastic. You can save, you know, like a bunch of money instead of replacing the cabinets. You can go from like an oak down to a white. Um, the only recommendation I would have if you're going to get a contractor to do it or you're going to do it yourself, research the product and definitely research the contractor because you don't want to just use like a, like just a latex paint on top of your cabinets. You should be using like... Like I have, I sell specific stuff like Command Coder Advanced. It's really top quality stuff where it actually is like meant for cabinetry. Okay. Yeah. I, I think cabinet paints are meant to be high impact and resistant. Is yeah. that uh, yeah. and like, more of a sheen to them? Yeah. Like satin is a common color for the, for the cabinets. Okay. And it holds up to the oils on your hands and stuff. Okay. So here's a question for you. I was painting our house and it's a bi-level. Mm -hmm. So in the front and rear entry, there's really high ceilings. And I don't quite have a ladder to get quite to the corner, highest corner in the back. What, what, how do you guys get You guys probably have all the ladders you need, but any ideas on how to get those corners? Yeah. Um, so for sure, if, uh, if a homeowner is in a situation and they can't reach high enough, call a pro or call your wife. <laughs> yeah. But uh, make sure someone's holding the ladder. But um, if you're close, if you're within a few feet, you can tape like a brush to the end of a pole or also there's products called like jigs um, or even like a gooseneck brush where it actually bends and screws into the top of the pole. And um, from there, you can just work it. It takes a little bit of practice, but you can work it like a, like a regular brush. That's like a little tip or trick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, just... Did we did we finish talking about painting a wall? Did we get that process completed, or did we did we wander off? I think we wandered. So oh. we were close. So after so now we've we've taken off the plates, we've spackled, we've maybe started the cutting, we've sanded everything, and now we're going to put our first coat on. And 
the, the first coat is really important because any of the initial wall patching you've done, once you put the first coat on, you're going to see even a little bit more wall repair that needs to happen or needs to take place. Um, and from there, also another little tip is that, um, like my rule of thumb is you can you can always like cut twice and then roll twice, but you can never roll twice and then cut twice. Like you like the rolling has to be the final. When you step. say cut, you're talking about edging for us laymen. Yeah, yeah right. Edging, yeah. okay. Edging, cutting, yeah. So do your cutting, finish your cutting first? Uh, so your 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 last step is your rolling. Really? Yeah. So you say cut then roll is the final step. Um, so we've got our first coat on, we've seen a little bit more of the patching that needs to take place. Um, so now we've got one full coat of paint on, and then we've got now more patches. You still want to sand everything, give it adequate amount of time to dry, but where you've got the patches, you want to run over the patches with your roller, just give it a quick little coat that'll help catch it up so it doesn't flash on your last coat of paint. Okay. All right. And the flashing is basically you'll be able to see where the patch is if you if you only paint it once. Like it needs two coats to cover. Right. Yeah. Okay. What about what about painting baseboards? Like again, I'm you know I'm gonna recommend everybody to check out the video we're gonna do on on cutting. But since I since I started using that technique, I don't tape corners like you know if I have two different colors of paint, mm -hmm. I don't use tape anymore. It saved me so much time with tape. Oh, do you need a job? Oh, <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but what about what about when you're painting say baseboards and you're up against the floor? Do you still have tape there? Uh, I think or it, just a sheet of. Yeah, I, I think it's like depends on your experience. Like you could you could put something kind of wedged underneath the baseboard between the baseboard and the carpet. Um, you also could tape. I think tape would probably be recommended so it makes sure you're safe. Your your floors are safe. But another thing, most paints that you're going to use is the latex paint anyways. If you grab the little paint chip within or a paint drop within a day or so, it's not going to cause a major issue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've, I've done a, I, I've done a few drops on the floor. In the first couple, I'm like, oh no! Yeah. But then after a while, you find one you've forgotten for an hour or two, and you wipe it off, it just comes right off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So okay, cool. Keith, I've I basically you've answered all my questions. I don't have any more questions for you. So at the end of my podcast, I always open up the floor. If there's anything I haven't asked you, anything you wanted to add, the floor is open. Um, yeah, I briefly touched on the contractor thing like one more time. I feel like when it all comes down to it, you've got a good recommendation from somebody and some um, good referrals. It's just like meeting anybody. You got to trust your gut a little bit. Like, it's, if somebody's giving you red flags, they're probably not the contractor for you, you know? And as far as uh, I found in I found in my business, some of the, the most economically beneficial times for homeowners is the month, like, January and February, first thing in the year. Because in general, like, the whole market is slow. Oh. And so this is a good time to get, like, a, this is a good time to get a very fair market value. Well, there you go. So get the good deals. Well, December, January, yeah. February. Every, yeah, February. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well, Keith, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank uh, you. Folks, again, you're listening to The Real World of Real Estate. If you enjoyed the podcast, give us those likes, five-star ratings, share, support the podcast. You've been listening to The Real World of Real Estate. Bye for now. Bye. Okay. Thanks.